Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey, Matt, uh, you know what laws just don't work? Uh, the ones that say don't do drugs. <laughs> yeah, that's one of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, the idea of. Uh, Consuming alcohol when it was illegal in the U.S. for a short time. Uh, Alcohol, of course, is illegal in uh, many countries in the modern day. Uh, But there was a a great quote uh, years and years back during the Prohibition era uh, where someone said, people will vote for Prohibition as long as they can still stagger to the polls. Oh, I want to say that quote is in this episode. Do you think? It may be. It may well be because this is a blast from the past. 2015. Can you believe how long ago that was uh, when we looked into conspiracies surrounding prohibition? Prohibition being the law, the the genre of laws that say one uh, cannot consume a given substance, whether Mm -hmm. that's alcohol right, as happened in the States, or whether it's uh, marijuana, right, would be one of the newer newer prohibition conversations. Yep. And as we go through this episode, we'll all learn that all prohibition really does is allow small groups of very smart and organized people to figure out how to break those laws without getting caught and sometimes getting caught. Uh, But black markets are created. That's really what you get. So, hey, let's dive in. And uh, not drink to this one. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. And with that, we are back. My name is Matt. And I am Ben. And this is Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. That's right. Uh, If you are looking for this podcast, you are in the right place. It is still legal, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to manufacture, import, sell, or distribute uh, this podcast. Also, like to... uh, give an introduction here as always to our super producer Noel on the ones and twos it is still he's also on the threes he's also on the threes he's on several numbers it's also still legal for him to manufacture uh, produce import and export a podcast 
That's correct. You know, it's interesting how the control of things like ideas, sure, uh, things that you can put into your body, mm-hmm. it's weird the way governments and states and other entities try to, to control what you can do with your own body. Mm-hmm. And it's strange, too, because what we see is that there are so many laws prohibiting certain things. Uh, there are very few laws in comparison that mandate certain things, right? Absolutely. And uh, the idea of prohibition, ladies and gentlemen, is what we are talking about today. It's what we've been spending the whole week on, and we found some crazy stuff. Oh, yes, we did. So let's get started. What is prohibition? Well, it's essentially the act of forbidding something, anything really. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's usually used in a legal context, and it doesn't just have to apply to something like an alcohol or a drug. That would include things like uh, certain dress codes that that Mm -hmm. are worn for religion. Ah, okay, yeah, or even for uh, legal purposes or private businesses, the old no shirt, no shoes, no service. They are prohibiting uh, your nudity. That's right. (laughs) Uh, in the United States, the word prohibition has a very specific meaning, though. When we say prohibition, we're not talking about being prohibited from walking on the grass or smoking cigarettes by a hospital. We're talking specifically about an era in United States history where Congress changed the Constitution uh, to banned specifically one type of substance. Uh, This is the 18th Amendment, and we'll read just a small part here. Prohibiting the manufacture, sale, or transportation of intoxicating liquors within, the importation thereof into, or the exportation thereof from the United States and all territories subject to the jurisdiction thereof for beverage purposes. Interestingly enough, You'll notice that this law does a couple of things and it omits a couple of things because it does say that you cannot make, you cannot sell, and you cannot transport alcohol. But it doesn't say you can't consume alcohol. That's right. And we found some weird things, too. Uh, there were some loopholes. If you already owned some booze when this went into effect, then you got to keep it. Doctors could legally uh, prescribe whiskey. At a pharmacy, which led to a whole other can of badgers. Well, yeah, that was a whole other thing. Like, where do you get the whiskey then? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which reminds me of Resurrection Men, where it's you, where it's legal to experiment on human corpses, but it's not legal to buy human corpses. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's get back to prohibition. Yeah. Though. So just for some context, uh, the Senate and the House of the United States, the House of Representatives, they both passed resolutions for this amendment in 1917. Then it was ratified in 1919 and officially went into effect in 1920. That's right. January 17th, which means it happened this week, it's the anniversary right. of Prohibition. That's so weird. It is weird, isn't it? Time is weird and history is weird. And uh, no offense to the teetotalers in the crowd, uh, but the advocates of alcohol prohibition in the United States were very strangely motivated. They were not so much motivated by fact as they were motivated by ideology. So here's what they said. They said that alcohol would lead us to a dystopian world, that there would be rampant crime, everybody would be an alcoholic, and there would be dissipating moral character. Now, one ugly truth about the code word, or in politics they called it dog whistle, like moral character used in the 1920s, it means objecting to stuff like interracial relationships or like women having too many rights and things like that. So moral character is not exactly what we would associate with good a good morality today, right? Yeah, and they thought if they banned alcohol, they could basically save the world, or at least the United States, mm-hmm. that you'd bring all kinds of sweeping changes, just basically saving the nation, increasing the economy, and guaranteeing that public safety would be upheld. And they were... Eh, so wrong. Uh, in our video that came out this week, we uh, we did a vlog called Three Ways Prohibition Shaped America, and we talked about some of the un, uh, unintended effects of this policy. Yeah, that's right. It, we went over a lot of the same stuff, but 
uh, I would highly recommend watching the video just to get more of the details. Sure, yeah, and the ways in which the effects of this policy completely contradicted the predicted effects, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so how has, if that's prohibition, that's prohibition in the United States, this prohibition is the word, how has prohibition been practiced? So one thing we know is that prohibition of one sort or another occurs all over the world in virtually every country. Mm-hmm. And uh, some countries have harsher penalties. Uh, so in some places of Southeast Asia, if you are caught smuggling drugs, uh, a lot, basically a Schedule One drug, right? Uh, yeah, the equivalent of such, uh, you're going to get some intense prison sentences, and then sometimes mm-hmm. uh, the death penalty. Yeah, and some countries practice a prohibition so severe, their interpretation of it is so severe that, uh, for example, I believe it's Japan, you can have trouble getting a visa if you have a past conviction for some drugs. I think like mm-hmm. marijuana specifically. Yep. Uh, then there are also, of course, prohibitions, as you mentioned, on certain types of dress that will affect you if you visit a certain country, right? That's right. Uh, we know that in the United States, of course, prohibition did not end with the alcohol prohibition era of 1920 to 1933. Uh, prohibition of one substance or another uh, continues today. Um, you know, like heroin is still illegal in the United States, and it probably always will be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, marijuana is kind of, it's it's still prohibited from a nationwide standpoint. But yeah. then when you go down to the States, it seems to be eroding. Uh, I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah, it's strange to have this podcast coming out while these laws are still in flux mm-hmm. and changing. And you have to wonder what's going to happen because the federal government at this level is in opposition at loggerheads with many state governments. That's right. Which is a bizarre thing. We've been there before. We'll uh, <laughs> see what happens. Are you, are you referring to the Civil War? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay, so well, let's talk about the effects of prohibition, specifically in the United States. And let's start with what people often call the bottom line. Matt, let's talk about the economic effects. Well, prohibition cost hundreds of millions of dollars to enforce during a time when really the average worker, the average person, uh, let's say, for instance, a Ford factory worker, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't make much money. That Ford factory worker only made about $5 a day. So how much would you say it costs the U.S. government to enforce this policy? Well, according to an article that I was looking at from PBS, uh, it, it cost over $300 million. In 1920s dollars. In 1920s which is, if you convert that to 2015, that equals roughly $37 billion. That's a lot of scratch, my friends. That is. Just to prevent people from drinking a substance that you were already making money on before. Uh, and at the national level, we see that prohibition had a hidden cost, which was a uh, tax revenue that was lost. Uh, people would pay excise tax for, um, or sometimes called a sin tax on mm-hmm. booze, right? Uh, in the 1920s, this equal to $11 billion in lost tax revenue. And we're talking about a period from 1920 to, I think, 1933. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a long while there, 13 years. But still, uh, man, that amount of money is crazy. Oh, and should we equate it as well to 2015? Yeah, blow um, my mind. It's only $135.6 billion, so. That's nuts. Yeah. Pocket change, right? Yeah. It's but okay. I guess if you're making such a moral decision. Yeah, this is for the good of <laughs> right. the country as at large. Right, because otherwise people will start listening to jazz, right? That's right. Um, anyhow, there were other costs, too, and many of these hit states um, the hardest. Uh, the states lost a lot of tax revenue from this, but the private sector also took a huge hit. So advocates of prohibition, when this, when this first came out, they claimed that the – Active banning alcohol would lead to an economic boom, right? Because mm-hmm. people aren't spending their money on whiskey or brandy or beer or whatever they're drinking. Instead, they're going to be spending their money on other uh, disposable or consumable goods. Yeah, soda, popcorn. Exactly. You yeah. just will spread it out. Uh, but you're going to see a pattern here. None of that happened. Oh, yeah. Let's also say rent was supposed to increase uh, as bars closed and neighborhoods improved. And uh, did that happen either? 
No, it did not, sir. Uh, in fact, entertainment of all sorts slumped during this time because restaurants, which are making a lot of their money off of selling liquor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, let's say Jack, who works as uh, a bar a bartender, he's already lost his job, right? Because right. you don't need a bartender anymore. But what about what about Jane? She's she works at the restaurant too. She's a server. Mm-hmm. She makes most of her tips off of selling alcohol. Well. She doesn't make those anymore. You don't need so many more Janes, so they lose their jobs as well. So these Janes and Jacks are out of jobs by the thousands. But it's not even that. It's the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. where you, you know, you put on in a club a show, but you make most of your money while people are watching your show and drinking liquor. Mm -hmm. Yes, thousands of Janes and Jacks, not just in restaurants, but in entertainment venues across the nation, find themselves out of a job because the product that their industry directly or indirectly depends upon is all of a sudden illegal. Uh, now, there's something here that, that you have for us about how the, uh, how the tax situation affected the states. Oh, yeah. This was something I read from a piece by Ken Burns, uh, again, from PBS. But he was talking about how so many states relied on these excise taxes from liquor to basically to set up their state budget. And one example in particular was New York, which he says derived almost 75 percent of its money from these excise taxes. And that's Pretty crazy. Where are you going to get that much money? I don't know exactly what number it is, but 75% of their operating budget came from these taxes. Uh, funny you should say that. Income taxes. And spoiler alert for the video, that's one of the things that we talk about in the video that I don't think a lot of people, I certainly didn't know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think a lot of people were aware uh, that prohibition in a way set uh, set up part of the income tax system you have today, depending upon which state you reside in. Yeah, exactly. And we're not talking about federal income tax nope. here in particular. We're talking about your state. Um, and that it's it's interesting because there are places like Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw, but The Daily Show just did a little thing on Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, it was about they kept talking about how Florida has no income tax. And that's the reason that you should go to Florida. Because there's absolutely zero state income tax, and uh, that to me, it's it because that's a lot of money. I, I don't know how much any of you guys pay, but I end up paying a pretty penny for my state income taxes. Mm-hmm. And we know that there were lasting health effects from prohibition as well. So, of course, people who are opponents of prohibition in the modern age, typically, what these opponents like to do is to draw a comparison to other prohibitive laws, such as you know, drug laws, right? Mm-hmm. But one one of the things that you cannot ignore and you cannot argue away, whether you are pro-prohibition or anti-prohibition, it's that it kind of worked in, in the fact that people drank less and uh, most of the diseases associated with drinking at the time declined, except for one, and that is alcoholism. There were more alcoholics uh at the end of prohibition than there were before in the, you know, the teens. Um, well, yeah, because yeah. again, it wasn't illegal to drink alcohol and it wasn't like you couldn't find alcohol mm-hmm. much in the same way. If you are in any city in the United States, while marijuana is illegal, you can probably find it somewhere. Right. And one more note about health that'll segue us into the next uh, important point is that you're right. You could find tainted alcohol. On this black market. Yeah, right? you could find alcohol that somebody made in there still at their house. You know, mm-hmm. and it's not safe. It's not regulated. Who knows what you're putting in yourself? Right. Yeah, there could be uh, various combinations of trace metals, chemical impurities. This stuff could not only kill you, but it could paralyze you. It could strike you blind. If you've ever seen those jokes or those old cartoons about someone drinking moonshine and their eyes turn to X's and they can't mm-hmm. see anything. That's true. Yeah, that was a <laughs> real danger, and it's still a real danger if you're not buying your alcohol from uh, a reputable place. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so then then we're going to get more into the criminal and legal aspects of, or the effects of prohibition. So one of the most important things to look at here is something that apparently none of the people who were putting this together really saw coming, and that was the rise of organized crime. 
bootleggers and all kinds of corruption because there's so much money involved when you create a black market, especially for something that's already so ubiquitous, like alcohol. Uh, we talked, we talked about in the video how there was such an infrastructure to right. get this stuff around, yeah. to produce this stuff. And when you all of a sudden cut it off, well, somebody's going to pick up the slack. And people have been illegally making uh, different forms of alcohol, like moonshine or something, uh, mash whiskey, for a long time. The only thing that made them uh, illegal manufacturers is that they weren't licensed mm-hmm. and they were dodging taxes. Yep. So this, this infrastructure to create it illegally also already existed but it expanded at, at a, a very swift rate when they realized uh, how much money could be involved here. Uh, there, there's so many weird ways in which bootlegging shaped uh, modern America. For those of you who are listening who are fans of racing, the rumors that you've heard, the anecdotes you may have heard are true. Bootlegging is the origin of NASCAR racing. The, the people who made... Uh, history is some of the first racers started out as bootleggers and they souped up their cars so that they would be less likely to be caught by the cops that they hadn't paid off yet. This is something you've covered in car stuff, right? Yeah, this is something we uh, talk about in car stuff with the origins of racing. You also hear people say that uh, the origins of some political dynasties are based in bootlegging. Now, we have to say allegedly the great Kennedy patriarch was illegally importing liquor. Allegedly. Right, yeah. So uh, make of that what you will. We'd love to hear what you think about this, but there is no way around it. This channeled enormous amounts of money into the black market. Uh, there are so many great sayings about prohibition because the, the country itself seemed to widely turn against this fairly quickly, and it became one of those easily ignored laws Mm -hmm. people would say things like oh uh congressmen will vote for prohibition as long as they can stumble to the poll (laughs) wow uh and we know that we know that this affected the uh rule of law right we we've talked a little bit in our videos about uh corruption but we haven't really talked about some of the conspiracies and whether or not prohibition works you know in terms of pros and cons so let's get to that okay but before we do i think it's time for a uh, word from a very old sponsor of ours one of our favorites actually oh excellent let's get to it well hey there friend i couldn't help but notice you looking a little mopey what's uh what's going on actually i am feeling rather mopey i'm sick and tired all these dunderheads telling me what I can and cannot do. No, you mean the teetotalers, the prohibitionists and whatnot. Oh, everyone. I'm so sick of it. Why can't I just do what I will? Hmm. Well, buddy, unfortunately, that's not how America works unless you're one of the top, 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 top men. Yes, I can't stand this place. I'm going to have to go back across the pond, I think, fairly soon. Now, hold on there, friend. Have you considered that, uh... Maybe it's not uh, other people, but you whose mind needs changing. The devil, you say? Why, yes. What if I told you that with just a simple pill once a day, you could be absolutely fine with other people in power telling you what you could or could not do based entirely on their opinions? You mean drug myself so that I forget that this is happening? Don't think of prohibitol as a drug, my friend. Think of it as an opportunity. Here, try this. Oh, all right. Try anything once, they say. Huh. I don't know that I feel anything different. Well, how do you feel about not being allowed to drink whiskey? Whiskey? Well, I I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Well, what if I told you you can't have any more chewing gum? It's, uh, devil paste. That sounds legitimate. Now, friend, I think I've persuaded you that Prohibitol is indeed, uh, the pill for you. Sure, let's go with it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, prohibit all. Why try to change the world with facts or figures when you can simply change your mind with legal drugs? 
Prohibitol is not afforded medicine. Prohibitol has not been approved by the NSA, the CIA, TNT, ABC, the USDA, the FDA, the MPAA, or Saturday Night Live. Please discontinue use of Prohibitol if you notice any of the following symptoms. Left side lightness, right side heaviness, pants lack, coffee face, stanky eye, weird neck, jitters, the shivers, the shuffles. Prohibitol is brought to you by Illumination Global Unlimited. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit Visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And now it's time for, I don't know about you, Matt, but one of my favorite parts of the show. Here's where it gets crazy. I love it when you say that, Ben. I think we all collectively love it when you say that. We, we need to get some kind of ringtone with you just saying that. It's probably prohibited. <laughs> Do you think so? <laughs> no, see, I don't know. I, I can imagine where here are the facts you can set up for people that you want to speak with, maybe. And then here's where it gets crazy. Well, it's interesting. A lot of people don't know this unless they've listened to our show for a long time. But you have an amazing vocal repertoire. Oh, stop it. <laughs> All right. Well, what we won't stop doing is talking about prohibition because <laughs> the reason we said here's where it gets crazy is because, of course, we are talking about conspiracies during the prohibition era. These are not conspiracy theories, as we say in the video. These are not, you know, rumors or tenuous connections. This is stuff that 
actually happened. Gangsters like Al Capone actually did network with uh bootleggers to transport whiskey with uh, law enforcement to either turn a blind eye or in some cases assist, right? Mm -hmm. And this assistance could take a number of different roles. You might have somebody who works in a precinct who lets you know if a raid is coming, right? Yeah. And they might do that for just a bottle of whiskey or something. Gosh, I know. And that's all it would take. And you just got to think about that corruption. We're going to get more into that corruption that this led to. Um, cause you, you're talking about everything from pharmacies, like where you're actually going to go pick up. Remember we talked about how drug, some of the alcohol were considered a drug, right? Yeah. And if you had a prescription, then a pharmacist could dispense various forms of alcohol to you as a medicinal thing. I don't know exactly what that was intended to treat. It sounds a little bit like a purposefully vague loophole to me, What well, maybe like. I was going to say medicinal marijuana, but, uh, you know, let's say there needs to be more research. Sure. Let's say there needs to be more research. We do know that uh, a lot of the criminal organizations would buy pharmacies and would own them so that this would be a front for them to uh, launder booze. Yeah, and money. Um, Another thing that we kind of look over sometimes is the religious aspect of alcohol for things like communion and religious authorities that, you know, they need this stuff for their ceremonies. So it would, you know, you could usually get some for the church, uh, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times criminals would come in and, you know, lay down their law. Right. All of a sudden there's a new priest or there's a new rabbi in town who can help you get the, uh, help you get wine or something. Yeah, you could see there were a lot more people going to church or mm-hmm. to synagogue claiming to be church officials, etc. Um, and a lot more people were going to the pharmacy with yeah. nebulous medical conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, corporations also had a little bit of, um, I don't know if this is a conspiracy, but, well, I guess it kind of is because they cooperated to get around the law. Uh, grape manufacturers, vendors, for instance, would issue these grape juice kits that would have warnings on them that said, yeah, don't let this sit too long. <laughs> That's so awesome. You know, um, the same thing happened with malt. Uh, people, manufacturers of beer, they would sell malt mm. kits. Ah. And, you know, for cooking and other things like that. Right. But you only needed a couple other things and you got some beer. Uh, yes. And, of course, they legally had a warning on there saying something like, don't let this sit around too long. Warning, it may ferment into an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> because that would be a problem. So there's another troubling conspiracy. And again, these are not theories. These are things that actually happened. And if you've already watched our video for this week, I think you know what we're about to bring up in the show today. Yeah, that is overall corruption from the very bottom to the top. And so we talk about this corruption, but we haven't really talked in super specific terms. And and why is that? Well, it's because it's it's tremendously difficult to estimate with with concrete numbers how much corruption was just rampant mm-hmm. through everything from the very bottom to the very top at this time because everybody could get a piece and there was so much money being made on the black market that if you it's almost like if you chose to turn away and be the good person and not make the money it was almost like you were uh cheating your it was crazy you're you're almost cheating yourself out of uh the future for not only yourself but for your children because it feels like there was from for me what i've been researching sure. it feels like there was so much sentiment against prohibition at the time, mm-hmm. even from when it was first introduced, that I feel like you could almost tell that it was a something that would go away. I see. So it may be felt for most of America as though it were going to be a ephemeral or temporary thing. Sure. A temporary thing that if you didn't hop on and make some money while mm-hmm. this was happening, it's almost like playing the stock market the way I see playing the stock market right now. How is that? Where it's this thing that will eventually go away because uh-huh. it's unsustainable. It doesn't, for me, it doesn't work after learning enough about it. Okay. But if you don't hop on and try and make some money, then, you know, what do, what am I doing with my whatever $2,000 I have in my savings account? Yeah, I, I feel like you might be giving me a hard sell, but you make an excellent <laughs> point. 
you make an excellent point about corruption because corruption is one of those things that uh, some studies confirm grows in sort of a snowball effect way. We know that in countries today that don't have the most uniform or dependable rule of law, uh, public uh, officials are dramatically underpaid and bribes are part of their job. As in, if they were not taking bribes, they would not be making enough money to sustain themselves. Um, in some cultures, uh, or they'll, you hear them called corruption cultures, but bribery is just sort of another tax or fee that's on top of it, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I had a, uh, and a friend who is not from this country, and she told me that she considered tipping, you know, Americans mm-hmm. and tipping's very different uh, in comparison to a lot of other countries. She told me that she considered tipping a form of bribery. She's like, well, you're just bribing them to make sure they don't spit in your food. Oh, wow. Or something. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. Um, and I couldn't really refute her point that well, Matt. Well, it's interesting to me, the service industry in that way, because you're you're taking the onus off of the owner or the people that are paying their staff sure. and putting it on directly on the server themselves to do a great job. And if you don't do a great job, you're not going to get paid. Well, you know, personally, I always tip. Uh, I think that especially in this country, you know, mm-hmm. it's important. You would have to do uh, a lot to make me not tip you. It would oh, be yes. weird. Yeah, I, I spent enough time carrying around a tray that I understand what it's like. So, yeah, I, I always tip sometimes to my own detriment because I shouldn't, like you said. Now, going back to the the idea of prohibition, the idea of corruption, uh, we see something that I would like to argue is a moral corruption and maybe not the kind you would expect. This was by far, in my opinion, Matt, the most disturbing thing we found while looking into uh, the history of prohibition. Uh, This is a conspiracy. Again, not a theory. This is completely proven. And the United States was the culprit, the U.S. Treasury Department specifically. We think this is so important. We based our entire Friday or maybe Saturday episode on this. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 
Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go places so you gotta understand if you are the federal government and you've decided that you cannot you know transport or do all this stuff with alcohol even though you didn't make it illegal for people to drink right you look outside your window and you see people walking around on the street just drinking booze and you're like oh man this is this is crazy We've got to find another way to enforce this. So before we see exactly what the Treasury Department did, uh, let's give just a little bit of background. The Treasury Department was tasked with monitoring these alcohol interdiction operations, right? Uh, the people who were making illegal booze were stealing industrial alcohol. There was a problem of scale. A lot of times they would steal it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's denatured alcohol, right? Yes, and denatured alcohol describes uh, alcohol, which is essentially grain alcohol mm -hmm. that has a bunch of other nasty-tasting stuff added to it in the best-case scenario. The other scenarios, they would add chemicals that make it dangerous or impossible, physically impossible to drink a lot. Uh, so what they would do, what these uh, criminal organizations would do is they would they would steal millions of gallons of this denatured alcohol and they would take it to the chemist that they were paying mm -hmm. and their chemist would redistill it and make it drinkable again in theory. So this is happening everywhere. Industrial alcohol is getting stolen left and right. Uh, the Treasury Department says, you know what? We're going to change the denaturing process. Uh, so they ordered, essentially, Matt, the poisoning of industrial alcohol manufactured in the United States. Yeah, and it was all to scare people. It was a scare tactic to stop mm -hmm. people from drinking because if you see that there are a couple people you know, down your street who got poisoned, mm -hmm. then maybe you don't want to pick up that, that stolen bootlegged alcohol. And we're talking about people dying. Yeah. More people got violently ill than died, but still quite a few people died. I think uh, 700 in 1927 in just in New York. Mm -hmm. And by the, by the time Prohibition ended, the, the government had poisoned, at least by some estimates, and killed over 10,000 people. Yes, and what's strange and disturbing about this chapter in American history is that the government itself said uh, this is so morally important that we can compromise our morals in the pursuit of this higher good, this greater good, right, this higher goal. Yeah, we're going to actively knowingly poison these people because it is so bad. This alcohol thing is such a devil's drink that, <laughs> you know, if we don't stop it now... Just our our whole way of life is going down the tubes. And uh but then in nineteen thirty three, uh -huh. December fifth, prohibition was lifted and oh the celebration was had. Yes, the celebration was had. People were back to drinking, but of course the country did not move on completely from the effects of prohibition. So now let's talk about if prohibition works because some people believe it does and some people believe it doesn't clearly clearly there were some difficulties with the the specifics of alcohol prohibition mm -hmm. right uh, but other countries do alcohol prohibition pretty well even in the modern day you know um iran saudi arabia uh, have i think specialized exemptions for religious minorities mm -hmm. or for nationals at embassies or at hotels. But then other than that, 
the entire country is a dry country. And again, because of that, there is a small black market for alcohol in places like that, but it is not as... Uh, I use the word ubiquitous, it isn't as widespread. Well, yeah, and I think part of it is that those were not necessarily heavily drinking cultures beforehand yeah. the way that the United States was. Uh, but let's let's talk pros and cons. We got any pros for prohibition? Sure. Well, for one, it reduced the amount of alcohol drinkers across the population. So fewer people were drinking alcohol. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with the policy, regardless of your basis for that belief, there's no denying that in this sense, uh, prohibition worked uh, to just stop the number of people who are getting wasted all the time. Right, yeah, and then also reduce the number of serious drinking ailments they might have, mm-hmm. like cirrhosis, stuff like that. Um, and it addressed the moral panic of alcohol consumption, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, and it also made NASCAR. Oh, which, yes, it which, did make NASCAR. Which could be a pro or con. I think it's pro, but it depends on how you feel about racing, I guess. Well, sure, and it probably influenced racing all mm-hmm. over the place. Uh, there are some bad things, though. Right, yeah. One thing that's probably going to be a, a big one for a lot of you out there listening today is that prohibition removes freedom of choice. Yeah, that is a huge fundamental of the United States, mm-hmm. and who knows? It it didn't work out, right, right. as we've seen. So mm-hmm. maybe that freedom trumped uh, somebody else's moral panic. Uh, this also promoted the rise of complex, organized, enormously profitable black markets, uh, which, as we said, led to a rise in crime and a rise in corruption. Uh, that rise in crime, which I, I think a lot of people might not completely realize, is something that would fuel criminal organizations for years or even decades afterward. Yeah, it showed you just how much money you can make when there's a black market. And then it translated to other drugs, other things that were prohibited, uh, things like sex workers, uh, just all that kind of stuff. It just opened the eyes of people that maybe we would have rather liked to keep their eyes closed. We also know that this uh, wrought unforeseen economic damage. And I know it sounds like we're being very, very negative about prohibition, but these are the facts. And that's why the prohibition era is largely seen as a failed policy. And we're also not saying, hey, you should drink alcohol or anything like that. Uh, it is just a fact that alcohol is consumed in the United States at mm-hmm. <laughs> some pretty high levels. Right. And well, the numbers are there. If you want to save money, don't drink. There you go. <laughs> For a number of reasons. But uh, But let's talk about Prohibition today. Let's close there, maybe. The 18th Amendment was repealed, as you said, December 5th, 1933. However, it wasn't... When it was repealed, it's not like everybody just decided to sell boo-hoodles of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got local... You can look at these maps now where you can see in the United States where there are still dry counties because they allowed for some local options, let's say, where if your municipality decided, well, we still want to be a dry county, then you could be, and you can't sell alcohol. You've, you've probably been on a road trip before, many of you, where you'll stop by oh, a Kroger sometimes, or mm-hmm. you know, you stop by a place where you wouldn't normally find alcohol, and there's just tons of alcohol in there. Right. And then other places, you'll find that there is not a single drop of alcohol for miles. Right. And then you might also run into an area that has one of the so-called blue laws, where you can't buy alcohol during certain hours. Yeah, or on Sundays. Or on Sundays. Yeah, like we- it was in Georgia for a long time. Mm-hmm. So now this means that 38% of the U.S. populations living in areas with state or local prohibitions after prohibition. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, there are hundreds of dry counties across the U.S., uh, which... You know, it's about 10% of the area of the U.S., Mm -hmm. I guess, would be technically dry. So you can pretty much always drive to another area. Um, But some states, I think it's Utah, have uh, laws that if if they're not prohibiting the sale of alcohol, they're prohibiting the strength of the kind or the type that Mm -hmm. you can buy. Which, uh, you know, which is also the case with fireworks in some states. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's tough to be holier than thou. One part of the whole big experiment that is the United States is that states get to make their own laws up to a point. Exactly. Oh, and just a reminder, in most places, you cannot drink alcohol on a public street, just walking around or just in public in general. 
So you got to keep that to a private location. You probably shouldn't, even if it's legal. It seems like more of a recipe for a bad day or a bad night than it does oh, for an adventure. I think anyone who's been to New Orleans, Nolans, uh-huh. knows the consequences of a hand grenade. Uh, a night of hand grenades. <laughs> a night of hand grenades. And what better phrase to end on? Ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed making it. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think about the future of prohibition, the unintended consequences of prohibition, or if you think that we should reinstate prohibition in the United States. Because, you know, a lot of people make a good point when they say, well, Alcohol, if you just look at the statistics, is responsible for a great deal of suffering, damage, and death. And uh, I would tend to agree with those people. Unfortunately, I really, really like scotch. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ah, yes, scotch. The best way to find us with uh, recommendations, thoughts, or suggestions for an upcoming show will be to go to Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter or on Facebook. That's where you can see a lot of our stuff that doesn't quite make it into an audio or video show. Um, That's right. You can visit us at StuffTheyDon'tWantYouToKnow.com. Mm-hmm. That's where you can find all of our all of these. It, maybe you're listening to this there. Awesome. You rock. (laughs) And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.